0: Democrats in Salem, Massachusetts are declaring they believe the women who are accusing people of witchcraft there. The Salem uproar began in 1692 when a number of girls began complaining of being pinched and pricked by demons. The girls then began to utter strange sounds and to contort themselves into odd positions, after which many other girls joined in in a movement that's now being called MeTooBewitched. Under the slogan, Believe All Hysterical Girls Making Unsubstantiated Charges, Salem Democrats are calling for anyone accused of witchcraft to immediately be hanged or pressed to death with rocks, whichever makes for better TV. As Salem Senator Maisie Goodwife-Hirano told reporters, quote, even if these accusations turn out to be false, the accused should still be hanged, lest they be seen to undermine the lived experience of women who feel they've been unfairly possessed by demons. Anyone who disagrees is probably a witch as well, and should be burned at the stake on the basis of their political beliefs." Unquote. Salem Senator Diane Manipulation Feinstein issued a statement saying, "Quote: I have in my hand a blank piece of paper submitted by an anonymous source which assures me that these accusations of witchcraft originated with Tituba, a dark-skinned slave. Are you really going to disbelieve the word of an oppressed minority woman? Surely not. Instead, we should become hysterical and slaughter our neighbors at the first hint of baseless innuendo. Unquote. The New York Times, a future newspaper that will later become a former newspaper, wrote an editorial saying quote, Although in the past we have supported satanic sexual abuse by those who share our socialist beliefs, we now cynically express sanctimonious condemnation mingled with unreasoning panic tinged with sexual puritanism as a way of serving our political ends. Make no mistake, we will return to supporting satanism as soon as we've destroyed all those who oppose us. Because we have no principles." Unquote. Democrats say they will continue to fight against witchcraft until good has triumphed over evil, or until the 1692 midterms, whichever comes first. Trigger warning: I'm Andrew Claven, and this is the Andrew Clavin Show. I for hunky-dunky, life is tickety boo Birds are wing, also singing. Hunky-dunkity. Ship-shaped dipsy-topsy, the round zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day. Hoorah hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! All right. The Clavenless weekend is over. And what a Clavenless weekend it was in Washington. Disgraceful goings on there and a major week for the country coming up. This is a genuine turning point for the country. Michael Knowles will be here to discuss the historic aspect of it, giving us the true story of Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. For those of you who have forgotten, leftism ruins everything. Leftism ruins everything. And the reason it ruins everything is because it turns everything into a mask for the pursuit of power. I mean, all leftism is. When I say leftism, I don't just mean social programs or social cares and all this. I mean leftism. the theory that the state should be in charge, it should be in charge of your money, it should govern your religious opinions, it should be able to shut you down when you say things that people don't like, that are hateful. The state should be in charge instead of the individual. Only one. There is only one original, new, radical political idea in all of human history, which is that the individual should rule his own life. Everything else is Pharaoh. Everything else is leftism. And that is what leftism is about. It is about, you know, it's in the it's in the Bible. Pharaoh stored up the grain. And then when people were starving, he could distribute the grain. So the Hebrews came to Egypt to get the grain. Within a generation, they were slaves. That's leftism in a nutshell. Okay, so it ruins everything because it uses everything for its to get to power. So we're talking about blacks and the treatment of black Americans. And that's what we think we're talking about. That's where all the emotional power is. They're just talking about taking your money and using it to spend on what they think it should be spent on instead of what you think it should be spent on instead of the local businesses, instead of the things that you want in your life. They want to take your money, which is your time, which is your life. They want to own your life, right? We're talking about gays. They come to you and say, well, gays should have rights. And you think about it and there's arguments going on and there's debates. And that's where all the emotional power is, right, is this debate over gays. And we're arguing, we're arguing. They're not talking about gays. They're thinking about destroying your religious rights. They don't just want gays to get married, which is, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care. But they want to be able to come into your little business and say, if you do not uh, betray your religious beliefs and serve us We will shut you down. That's what it's all about. It's always really about the power. So we're honest. people. You know, Americans are honest people. They want to debate the issues. They want to talk about the issues. But it's always, always about the power because leftism ruins everything. It infests everything. And, you know, climate change, another perfect example. I was talking to a liberal the other day and he said, you know, I would be a conservative if you guys would stop denying climate change. And I said, it's not about denying climate change. It's about denying government power denying the efficacy of government power to address climate change. What the left is really talking about when they scream the world is ending, is climate change, what they're really talking about is giving government power over our energy supplies, which experts agree is not going to have any kind of effect on climate change whatsoever, right? If they were talking about something different, we'd be talking about technology. We'd be talking about ways that we could deal with the, the pollution that we create and the heat that maybe that creates. We could be talking about all of that, but all they want is panic and emotion to take power. And that is what happened is happening with these, uh, allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. This is truly disgusting and truly a turning point for the country. If the Republicans let Brett Kavanaugh go down on the sorts of allegations that they are bringing against him, there won't be any Republicans. I I believe that you want to talk about a blue wave, there'll be a blue tsunami. They could even lose the Senate if they let this stand. Because look, again, the Me Too movement, has legitimacy. There's, it's legitimate for women to be talking about the fact that they get abused, that there are companies that have a culture of abuse, that there are guys running around at NBC and mistreating them, and you can't the, the woman can't go in and uh, do her job without some guy tossing her over a chair, and you know Matt Lauer tossing her over a chair and raping her until she faints. Yeah, you know that's a legitimate complaint. I want to hear that complaint. I want to know uh, what Harvey Weinstein is doing in Hollywood. I want to know if the casting couch is still in operation. Of course I do. I don't want women treated like that who does that's not the point they're using me Too. they're delegitimizing you too they're me too they're ruining me too to get Brett Kavanaugh cuz they do not want an originalist judge on the court who will strip them of their power to make law from the court that's all it's about they ruin everything they are you know the women who are who are earnestly pushing the Me Too movement are just being used now, and they'll be thrown away. Same as, remember, Cindy Sheehan? She was the mother who had lost a child uh, in the war on terror, and she started protesting Bush, and she could bring 10 people. It didn't matter. Every news uh, agency was covering her, and there was this big protest, and Maureen Dowd in the New York Times, oh my gosh, she has absolute moral authority because she lost a child. The minute Bush was gone, the minute she was against Obama's war, she was gone. She was gone, and the Me Too women are being used exactly the same. So right now, here's where we stand: uh, the accuser of Brett Kavanaugh, Christine Blasey Ford, she's agreed to testify on Thursday. So everybody's looking forward to this big circus on Thursday. They're still negotiating some of the plans. The Republicans are saying we want our female staff to be able to question her because they don't like the optics of a male questioning a woman's uh, right, you know, a woman's uh, accusations. Uh, they're stuck in this kind of weird, bigoted world where now a male is illegitimate simply for being a male. And now Truly, this is truly disgraceful. It really is. I mean, talk about talk about leftism ruins everything. The New Yorker has run a new story about a woman named Deborah Ramirez who says that when she was a freshman at Yale, someone, maybe Kavanaugh, exposed himself at a drunken party. She wasn't sure. The Democrats were looking for her. She came forward only because the Democrats hunted her down. The New York Times say said they interviewed dozens of people and they didn't run the story because they interviewed dozens of people looking for someone to corroborate her story, and they couldn't find anyone. She herself said that for six days, she was unsure whether it was Kavanaugh who did this. Then she talked to her lawyer, and ultimately she, she found out, oh, yes, yes, it was. You know, this is, this is it. And, and Kavanaugh's response, by the way, has remained what it is. This, he's talking about the Blasey Ford accusations. Kavanaugh says this alleged event from 35 years ago did not happen. The people who knew me then know that this did not happen and have said so. And that's true. There were something like three people uh, that Ford said were there. They all deny that it happened. One of them, a woman, she also denies it. He goes on to say this is a smear. Uh, plain and simple. I look forward to testifying on Thursday about the truth and defending my good name and the reputation for character and integrity I've spent a lifetime building against these last minute allegations. And then because there's no scandal, no stink, no publicity that Michael Avenatti, the creepy porn lawyer, doesn't doesn't want a part of. Man, if you stand between him and a camera, you are going to get run over. He is now saying he has credible information that <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh, I, I shouldn't laugh but because it, it's so ugly, Brett Kavanaugh essentially ran a gang rape ring in the early 1980s with his high school friend, Mark Judge. I'm sure that there's a lot of credibility to that. I can really see him, you know, in his thug glasses and his thug cigarette, Brett Kavanaugh, peddling women for gang rape. I mean, that is, it really is insane. And by the way, I think it could be a tactical error. I think when you bring forward uh, things like this new New Yorker piece, also by Ronan Farrow, when you bring them forward, and they're so unbelievable, it casts doubt on Blasey Ford. It is not about the charge. It is about the power. They use our natural instinct, especially men's natural instinct to protect women and women's natural feeling that they're not being heard. This has been true throughout all history. I'm not saying there's not some legitimacy to it, but it is true throughout all history. Women are always saying, you know, we're not being heard. They're using that anger and they they need to protect women just to get power. You know, you want to talk about ruining everything. What is, what is the most popular novel in American history, the most important novel in American history might be Huck Finn, but certainly, certainly one of them is To Kill a Mockingbird, right? To Kill a Mockingbird. And what is To Kill a Mockingbird about? It is about a false accusation of rape against a black man, whatever her name is, Mayella Ewell. She accuses a black man of trifling with her. And the lawyer, Atticus Finch, gets her on the stand and proves that she's lying, And here's her response. She immediately plays the female card telling the Southerners that they're not Southern gentlemen if they don't defend her.
1: I got something to say. And then I ain't gonna say no more. He took advantage of me. And if you find... Fancy gentlemen ain't gonna do nothing about it, then you're just a bunch of lousy, yellow, stinking cowards, the the whole bunch of you.
0: See, we thought they were talking about due process. We thought they were talking about a black man should receive the same due process as a white man in America. We thought they were talking about justice. We thought that they wanted uh, blacks included. But no, my friend, no. They were just talking about using your emotions to get power because now, now the Democrats are Mayela Ewell, you know, whatever her name is. Now they are that woman on the stand screaming, I was trifled with. Never mind the facts, never mind the evidence, never mind that there's contradictory evidence. They are that person on the stand saying, I'm a woman and therefore I must be believed. They even have ruined to kill. A mockingbird. You know, I know when I'm talking that what you're really, you know, you're having a hard time concentrating because you're thinking, how does he look so beautiful? You know, Genucell from Chamonix have these new products that help you. They draw the moisture out of your eyes, they soften your sunspots. I gave them uh, to my wife, but it's so hard to tell whether they're working because she always looks so fantastic. So now I'm going to try them. I am trying them to see if I can reduce the bags under my eyes. The, sun, the sunspots, you know, you're out all summer and you get those sunspots. If you go to GenuCell.com or call 800-525-4980 for a limited time, you can get Chamonix microdermabrasion, uh, yours free, for the first time this year. Plus, if you order now, you receive free shipping. You can say goodbye to wrinkles, to dark spots, and sunspots today. Call 800-525-4980 or go to GenuCell.com. That's genucel.com. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com. This stuff is amazing. So now they are, the Democrats are the people rushing to judgment. Let us look at all of them. They've just decided that this woman, Blasey Ford, is telling the truth. Let's play the montage cut number seven.
1: I believe Dr. Blasey Ford because she's telling the truth. And you know it by her story
0: the Kavanaugh denies being at the party to begin with uh, and says his accuser might have mistaken him for someone else what's your reaction to that
1: well I've heard you know uh, many many predators say um, and, and refute allegations against
0: them I think what we need as to- I said to- I believe Professor Ford I think she's credible and I think when the investigation is finished and when she testifies and Judge Kavanaugh testifies, I think a majority of senators will find her credible.
1: She told her husband, this is a trauma she's been dealing with her whole life. She doesn't want to be in a bedroom that doesn't have two doors. And it's going to
0: be about uh,
1: listening to what each party has to say, but I believe her.
0: Do you believe her story? Well, I could tell you it it really does have a ring of truth to it. Uh, I am skeptical of polygraphs, but for those who believe them, uh, she has passed a polygraph test. Another big uh, uh, liberal work of art is The Crucible by Arthur Miller about the Salem witch hunts. It was supposed to also be about the hunting communists. Oh, my gosh. We, you know How can we just believe this panic? They are now the Salem witch. They are doing it. They are doing exactly what they told us. We were always doing that. We were the bad guys. No, it's really them because all they ever wanted was power. And Maisie Hirano, who is senator from Hawaii for some reason that I cannot explain, she went on Jake Tapper and she basically admitted it. He's guilty because he's a conservative.
1: Doesn't Kavanaugh have the same presumption of innocence as anyone else in America? I put his denial in the context of everything that I know about him in terms of how he approaches his cases. As I said, his credibility is already very questionable in my mind and in the minds of a lot of uh, my fellow Judiciary Committee members, the, the uh, Democrats. So he comes. And you know when I say that he's very outcome driven, he has an ideological agenda, uh, very outcome driven. And I can sit here and talk to you about some of the cases that, that exemplifies. His, in, in my view, inability to be fair in the
0: case that- So basically his decisions are why he's guilty. The left ruins everything. They are the Salem witch trials. They are to kill a mockingbird. And remember what it says in that book, to kill a mockingbird is a sin. To do this to an innocent man, it is a sin. And the left is committing it because the left ruins everything. <clears throat> All right. I want to talk a little bit about what's happening on social media, talking about the left ruins everything, social media, because social media is such a gift, such a wonderful thing, uh, our ability to connect with one another, ability to uh, you know search for all this information. There's a draft executive order going around the White House examining whether federal agency, agencies should start looking at social media to see if it's censoring conservative speech before maybe breaking them up as, as monopolies. And it, this is unofficial, but I personally think it is worth looking at. Uh, a few days ago, James Woods, the actor, right? Great actor, but he became a big conservative voice on Twitter. He had something like a million followers, and he's very funny and he's very sharp, right? And he was locked out of his account because he put forward a completely satirical little joke where he played a satire of liberal men. He had a meme of liberal men saying, We're going to stay home for the midterms to make women's votes more powerful. And Woods said, this is pro, it's not likely this is real, but things are so crazy now that it could be real. It could be real. And they locked him out. They locked him out. And they said, if you take that down, we'll let you back in. And, he's, and Woods stood his ground and said, free speech is free speech. It's not Jack Dorsey's version of free speech. Okay. It, Twitter, social media, Google, Facebook, these are platforms, they're not publishers. And you know, we've explained the difference before. A platform is just a place for people to share information. The phone company is a platform. If I'm talking to you on the phone and at comes on and says, you know, that Clavin, he has very conservative views. We're going to turn him off and you'll, now you'll be talking to a left winger. You know, now that that's what this is like. This is this is actual censorship. It is actually wrong. And they are actually violating the terms under which the government allows them to operate. They're allowed to operate as platforms, not publishers, because if they're publishers, they're responsible for the content. Right. If they're publisher, if you publish something that's slanderous, you can get sued. So if they're acting as publishers, they could be sued by every single person who has ever had anything false said about them on Google or on Twitter, which is all of us, right? We've all had stuff like that. So we could sue them for every, uh, for every time we've been slandered. But this is leftism writ large, right? Because they're surrounded. The whole theory of leftism is we are progress. We are going forward. So anyone who's against us is going backward. We are moral. So everyone against us is immoral. So you can shut them down. But if you watch them carefully, this is really part of who they are. You know, there's a plan called Dragonfly, where Google has been testing a censored version of its search engine for the Chinese market. In other words, they want that good Chinese money where they want those huans or whatever they spend in in China. And so they're going to go back into China and they're going to have a search engine that censors people. So this changes their slogan. Remember, their slogan used to be don't don't be evil. Now their slogan is be evil, because this raises real questions, not just about leftism, but about globalism because remember how we were we who voted for Donald Trump were all such deplorable idiots because we didn't understand the wonders of globalism the how wonderful globalism was going to be and yes you were losing your job but some poor person in another country was getting a job so it was all all the same you know it was it was all fine the people also understood or sensed we those deplorable fools out there in the middle of the country where no one wants to go those deplorable fools also understood that globalism brings all kinds of cultures to an equal level, just like in the UN, where Saudi Arabia can be on the same Human Rights Commission as America, right, when you go global, all cultures become equal, right, and that, and so for, for Google to go into China is just being global, man, it's just being global. So they said we don't censor things, so they do censor things. And since the left really does believe that certain ideas should be censored, like our ideas, it it makes it all makes perfect sense it all makes perfect sense this leftism is it's like a poison in the brain it really is because because it gives you this sense that you are on the, on the right side of history as barack obama used to say you are moral you are the antidote to racism so anybody who opposes you must be racist must be regressive must be living in the past must be immoral and that is th- that Idea has now gotten into social media instead of being a platform with all ideas. They have become the the cutting edge of censorship All right So let, let's let us go back into history a little bit on this Kavanaugh thing because one of the things that the left depends on is that We forget the way they have behaved in the past and this is this is really one of their big tricks They not only for, want us to forget the way They behave in the past they rewrite the past because they own so much of the culture, the movie studios, the TV studios, all the news shows, because they can rewrite history and rewrite culture and keep their, their side of the story in the forefront, they can rewrite what's going on. So let's remember, you know, they've been complaining and whining about Merrick Garland. The GOP used some pretty hardball politics to stall Merrick Garland until the election. Then they lost the election and, oh, we was robbed, we was robbed. That's that's politics. It's hardball, but it's politics. Their version of this is to destroy people, to destroy their reputations, to uh, misrepresent what they believe, and they have been doing it. For a long, long time. In 1982, Ronald Reagan nominated Robert Bork to the Supreme Court. And he was a brilliant originalist jurist uh, who believed in the original interpretation of the Constitution. He was also the guy, the left hated him because he was also the guy who agreed to fire Archibald Cox, who was investigating Watergate. That was called the Saturday Night Massacre. Nixon told people to fire him. They wouldn't fire him. So he fired everybody and finally put Bork in there and Bork did the, the firing. So the left hated him. Teddy Kennedy, before the GOP could get its ducks in a row, Teddy Kennedy immediately took to the floor of the Senate and denounced Robert Bork in these terms, these amazing terms. In Robert Bork's America, there is no room at the inn for blacks and no place in the Constitution for women. And in our America, there should be no seat on the Supreme Court for Robert Bork. Mr. Bork has been equally extreme in his opposition to the right to privacy. In an article in 1971, he said, in effect, that a husband and wife have no greater right to privacy under the Constitution than a smokestack has to pollute the air. What I hear you're saying here now is that the test that was used uh, about 90 years ago, and which was the basis for discrimination against women, is uh, the standard uh, that uh, you would use. You may be able to elaborate on it, but that's at least what I'm uh, hearing. So this is Teddy Kennedy, man who dropped uh, his girlfriend in the drink, left her there while he went home to change clothes and establish an alibi. Left her there to suffocate as the, the autopsy then revealed. As the water rose, if he had called for help, she would have been saved, she could have been saved, but now he had, you know, he had to preserve that political career. So his history vanishes because he becomes the lion of the Senate and this history, this was a shameful, shameful moment. And of course it became a phrase. Borking. They shouldn't call it Borking because it's just character assassination. The things I mean, they, they did things like they got his video uh, rental records and things like this. And then Anita Hill. And so let's bring on Michael Knowles. Is Michael Knowles there? This is the Daily Wire's own Michael Knowles, the host of the charming host of the Michael Knowles show. <laughs> so your your assignment was to re. Discover the story of Anita Hill so let us know what this this because this is the left keeps talking about this Oh, this is Anita Hill all over again. Let's remember who Anita Hill was and how this came went down
1: You really give me the worst assignments Drew. (laughs) I have to I thought I was getting enough of this looking at Kavanaugh, but uh, so I went back and I, I went point by point through the Anita Hill controversy, and I even watched that awful HBO movie oh, that, oh where man. the left rewrote you history.
0: T- you took one for the team. I, I took one that. for the <laughs> team.
1: So it's incredible how it all matches up. It just just to refresh our memory, I know it's been a couple decades on a few facts. Uh, this was the same thing. You've got Clarence Thomas, eminently qualified judge, he's up for the seat. And at the 11th hour, at the very last minute, they dredge up some accusations of sexual harassment uh, from when uh, uh, Clarence Thomas was at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and at the Department of Education. Now, what were the accusations? The accusations were not that he had sex with Anita Hill, that he pushed Anita Hill up against a wall, that he dragged her behind a car or went over to her house or anything like that. It's that he made some comments offhand about pornography, that he made comments, particularly lurid comments about things that he found in his Coca-Cola can. This was broadcast to the entire nation, just tiny sleaze like this. Now, one of the strange aspects of all of this is that Anita Hill uh, followed Clarence Thomas from job to job, from the Equal Employment Opportunity she Commission.
0: Stuck, she stuck with him.
1: She stuck and, with the guy. And, and
0: he never hampered her career in any way.
1: They never hampered her career. Actually promoted her, brought brought her along with him uh, to his various assignments. This was over the course of years. and But the Democrats glommed onto this. They dragged it up. And uh, they they rooted it out. They brought her to D.C. to testify. This went on and on. Now, one thing that we forget, because Clarence Thomas defended himself very well, he referred to it as a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. And who refused to kowtow to an old order? So he used his
0: victim card against their victim
1: That's card. That's right. Basically. If yeah. he if he looked like Brett Kavanaugh, he, he
0: probably he wouldn't have been able to do time. that.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, but they did. You know, the Democrats made a very conscious race play here to try to mitigate racial factors. And uh, one thing that was always left out of news reporting about this, and certainly out of the historical record, are all of the employees and colleagues of Justice Thomas—men, women, black, white, and everything in the middle who uh, attest, attest to his character and say Anita Hill was never a victim. She, they were close with her. She never brought this up, ever. Nancy Finch, who is a special assistant historian to Thomas at the EEOC, said, there is no way, quote, that Thomas did what Hill alleged. I know he did no such thing. Diane Holt, who was Thomas's personal secretary for six years, said, quote, at no time did Professor Hill intimate, not even in the most subtle of ways, that Judge Thomas was asking her out or subjecting her to crude, abusive conversations that have been described, nor did I ever discern any discomfort when Professor Hill was in Judge Thomas's
0: presence. And you know, by the way, in the same way that the Republicans have these this optics problem with white men. They had Teddy Kennedy was on the committee that was questioning her. Teddy Kennedy was he not? It, I, it I, was I, incredible. I, he was on there with his with his dead woman in, in the car. And he's <laughs> questioning Clarence Thomas about his sexual propriety.
1: He's sitting there. You've got Joe Biden is chairing the committee. <laughs> Ted Kennedy is there, and he says, you know, well, eh, Judge, uh, did she uh, did the girl drown? Uh, no, Senator Kennedy. Oh, well, what are we even doing here for <laughs> yeah. that? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so you've got Kennedy up there, and it's amazing, by the way, what the movie does to this history.
0: So, in the in what really happened I, before, before you get to that for a minute, let me let me just say that you know these things can blow back on people because Andrew Breitbart, obviously the guy who s- established the Breitbart site, and. A, tremendous conservative warrior. This turned him into a conservative. This was when he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought the left was for black people. I thought they were there to help black people. And that's when he realized it was all a charade just to get the power. And that was was a wake up call for him. And I think this is going to be a wake up call for a lot of women. You know, women have sons. They have husbands. They have brothers. They do not want them destroyed by this kind of allegation without any proof. That's right, and it's all about that precedent. One thing that we're not hearing about
1: too much, uh, and we didn't hear about with the Anita Hill story, is the ideological basis of it in Borking, in Robert Bork. They, they uh, Democrats on the committee tried to push that aside. They say it's not about uh, views of the Constitution or textualism or ideology. It's about this thing that allegedly happened, according to one witness, however many years ago, before she followed him to another job. There were a couple of other witnesses over time who... Who came forward and said, "I've got allegations," but even the Democrats on the committee didn't consider them terribly credible. They were, they were uh, jilted ex-employees, and uh, e- even they were reluctant to bring them on because they thought it would be a farce. So they they tried to drag it out. They tried to take as long as they possibly could. You're seeing that that exactly happen here with Cabot. exact
0: same strategy. That's right. You need a hill strategy. They're yeah. ho-
1: like at, at some point, hopefully, some woman will come out of the woodwork, and, and that's what they seem to have done with Ronan Farrow. But the way that Hollywood has twisted this is really is really remarkable, and we should pay close attention, because we're watching it play out right now. I watched this terrible, terrible movie, <laughs> and it opens you it up. so we don't have to. Okay. I did it so you don't have to. Exactly. And what What's amazing about it is not just so much the facts that they get wrong, though they do get facts wrong, they attribute certain redemptive moments to Ted Kennedy that I assure you never happened, neither in the Anita Hill hearings nor in the life of Ted Kennedy. <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, other uh, things are attributed to individuals that just didn't, didn't happen. Uh, co- characters are made up out of whole cloth, of course. But uh, what's incredible about it is the, uh, the narrative that Anita Hill is this saint that she's this martyr they've made of her, the hero of this story, when in fact she was a, a law professor who uh, made some allegations that, at the le- 11th hour that were refuted
0: by so many other colleagues. Let me let me interrupt you for one second. got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to thedailywire.com where... You can not only listen to the rest of the show, but while you're there, you can subscribe. It's a lousy 10 bucks a month for a lousy 100 bucks, You get the whole year. You get the Leftist Tears Tumblr, which I'm hoping you're going to need by the end of this week. And uh, you, you, you want to have that on hand. And you get to be in the mailbag. You get Ben. You get Michael. You get me. You can uh, ask us all questions, and all our answers are just going to incredibly uh, illuminate you. Come on over and subscribe. Most importantly, we want your money. All right, sorry. So so go ahead. Let's hear. So the movie opens up
1: And you've got a concerned, earnest, young woman Senate staffer. She's not working at the direction of a senator. She just wants to find the truth. And she calls Anita Hill. And Anita Hill, coincidentally, lucky for her, she's wearing her Yale T-shirt at the time. It's really good because if those cameras caught her in her pajamas, it would be very awkward. (laughs) And so she's wearing her big Yale T-shirt. And she says, I don't want to do this, but it's my duty. And I must testify at the 11th hour to torpedo a good man's career, who uh, was my benefactor for much of my career, so she's, uh, you know, she makes these allegations tearfully. She says to her parents that you're going to hear bad things, you know, and uh, and then it cuts to Thomas. And Thomas shows very little emotion. He seems frustrated, but he shows very little emotion. He mentions this to his wife, Ginny, and he gets, he starts. Then he, then he starts to raise his voice. And she says, don't yell, Clarence. And the implication is clearly he's guilty as sin. The implication is that the wife knew that he was guilty. And Anita Hill, she's so honest. The only time that the movie even mentions Robert Bork even mentions the ideological battle that is undergirding this entire nomination is when Strom Thurmond yells out, we need to protect our judge. We don't need another Bork, One of the least sympathetic men in yeah, the United yeah, States exactly, Senate.
0: Exactly. You know, this is, this is an amazing thing. You know, I've spent years, years talking to conservatives about the culture and how important it is for us to be part of the culture and how important it is for us to not to say, you know, I'm not going to, there's culture that everybody's cursing and the women are taking off their clothes. I'm just going to watch Turner classic movies. <laughs> but this is why, this is why they own history. That's right. All anybody is ever going to see is that movie. People are not going to go back and read the histories. They're not going to listen, especially with us getting uh, censored on social media (laughs) and they're, you know, uh, jiggering the algorithm so we don't turn up. But, you know, they've done this with everything. The Valerie Plame scandal, which was an absolute, uh, like, hit job on George W. Bush Completely. They, they made it into a movie, Fair Game, right? And Fair Game, that Valerie Plame was a hero, and Joseph Wilson, instead of being what he was, which was a kind of sleazy guy who told a lie and got caught in it, you know, th- they became the heroes. And when Joseph Wilson was asked about the fact that nobody was going to see the movie, he was asked about it. This is what he said. He said, for people who have short memories or don't read, This is the only way they will remember the period, and that's true of Fair Game. It's true of JFK, which uh, instead of instead of a lone communist killing the president, it was a conservative conspiracy. It was true of Argo, that won the Oscar, and that was made Jimmy Carter instead of a feckless, incompetent (laughs) buffoon. It turned him into this noble guy who was going to, you know, save save us from going to war. And it really they do it. It's so it's why they won't let Melania Trump on any magazine covers. That's the most right. beautiful First lady we've ever had cannot get, yes, she cannot get on a cover. They know, they know that the culture becomes history, just in the same way that history becomes literature, just becomes a story, in the same way culture becomes history and they know it. I'm gonna let you uh, finish, we got just a little bit of time so you can wrap it up.
1: Well, they won't, I think the big takeaway is they won't paint with a subtle brush. At the end of this movie, you've got some fictional character and other fictional characters saying, you know, it's all been discredited, Clarence is gonna go through, she says, "Well, who do you believe?" And then she, the girl, turns to the camera, windswept hair. "I believe her, audience. In case you missed it, believe her." It's and we and the conservatives have to fight back on this cultural front.
0: All right, Knowles. Thanks very much, the Michael Knowles of the Michael Knowles Show. It is always good talking to you. I'll talk to you later. See you later. This is it. The culture, the culture rewrites history and that lasts forever. Culture lasts. Life is short, but art is long. And that is what they know and they use it to their advantage. And we should be in that business, too. All right. Time for our crappy culture. So. I'm going to wax a little philosophical here about something in our culture that really bothers me in the way that we have conversations we we're just talking about the imagination how the left colonizes the imagination they get inside our heads with their movies with their TV shows with their news programs all the means and with education all the means of communication are belong to them you know in the old video game that, that thing all your bases are belong to us well all the means of communication are belong to them and they use that to colonize the imagination and one of the facts funny facts about the imagination is in the imagination, There's no time. Think about things that happened to you when you were a child, painful things that happened to you when you were a child, something your dad did that was mean or your mom did, whatever it is. If you think about that right now, you can get just as angry, just as hurt, just as sad as you were at the time. Time does not exist in the imagination. Everything is happening now. And one of the ways that the left controls our debate is because they understand the imagination better than... The right does. The right really is always about facts. You know, we're always pointing at charts and saying, "Ah, oh, look at that. Here's the numbers and the glass are going. In. And they're meanwhile telling stories because they know in the imagination there's no time. Everything is happening now. So for instance, they'll talk about abortion. I've, I've talked about this before, but I think it's the worst aspect of this. And they'll say, well, you know, a baby is not a person. Uh, an unborn baby is not a person. Can't decide anything. Can't, uh, you know, have preferences, and and there's a guy Peter Singer, who, uh, and among others, who is a an ethicist at Princeton, who says, yeah, you should be able to, you know, to kill born children because they don't have choices; they can't decide things the way, for instance, even a dog can do. He will actually say that. But we live in time, we're not just who we are now, we're who we will become, and time really exists, you know? So I could say, yeah, well, you know, Peter Singer can't make a decision when he's asleep, so I can kill him. No, because eventually he wakes up, eventually the child in your womb becomes a, a person, and so has the right rights of a person even now when he can't make decisions. But this also works in the past, you know, when the people are talking about pulling down statues. And they're talking about, oh, this guy, you know, George Washington owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. They're eliminating history, right? They're eliminating the world that person lived in. George Washington, one of the greatest heroes Liberty ever knew, he, he basically Gave liberty its incarnation in our country by turning down the king, by turning down kingship, which no one has ever done. Maybe, maybe Cincinnatus in Rome, but he turned down the, uh, a kingdom. Basically, he turned down a continent. and By doing that, he gave us our liberty and started the traditions that have preserved our liberty. He couldn't understand why slaves didn't work hard because the narrative of his time was so pervasive. Just like the narrative of abortion makes it possible for good people to have abortions now. Fifty years from now, when the science tells us a little bit more about who babies are and how they develop and all that, that's not going to be true. But right now and then they're going to look back on us because they won't appreciate the different times, and they're going to say, How could you have been such butchers? How could you have done such terrible things? And all of this leads back to me too. Listen, I want women to be protected. I understand that they are hurt by the things men do. I understand there are women who were hurt by things I did because when you're young, you don't understand the stuff and you're so sexed up and your hormones are going crazy that it's easy to make mistakes. It's the left that gave us the culture, the sexual culture we have now. Conservatives protested every step of the way. It's the left who told us that marriage didn't matter. It's the left that told us, you know, women could have the exact same sex lives as men and they'd be happy. It's the left when we said to women, you know, you shouldn't get drunk with a bunch of men. It's they said, oh, you're blaming the victim. They're the ones who created the sexual culture. And in the 70s and the 80s, when the accusations against Brett Kavanaugh took place, we were living in a different world. You know, I'm not saying it was right then. And it's wrong now. It was wrong then too, but we were living in a different world. And the rules that he is being crucified with, even, even this is even if it's true, are not the rules we were living by then. And I just think, you know, it's so easy, it's so easy to make us forget there is such a thing as time, and we live in time, and the times change. And I think that, that it's just unfair. It is unfair. The left ruins everything, they ruined our culture, now they're paying. For the culture that they ruin. They're paying the price for what they did. And I think it's just unfair. They ruin everything. All right. It has been great being here. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show, and we will see you again tomorrow. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling.